Hello, America. Good morning. You've tuned into The Daily Answer. Mark Dunnigan, your host. Have your Bibles open. Luke chapter 16. In verse 19, it says, There was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things. But now he is being comforted and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father, but if they but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Some people have tried to make this a parable and escape the teaching here, but it's never called a parable. And typically in parables, Jesus did not use like real people's names. You know, there was a certain rich man and there was a man, specifically a man by the name of Lazarus. So we're dealing with real people. And then others have noted that even in a parable, the earthly story was always true. Jesus didn't use like a false story to give a Bible truth, but it's never told a parable. And so... At face value, a lot of people don't like what this section says. Yet, let's walk through it. First of all, I'm impressed that God did not expect the rich man to do the impossible. A good deed, um, helping somebody out, was right at his gate. It wasn't that God expected this man to feed everyone in the world or to go out and reach out and help somebody he didn't know about. Rather, Lazarus was at his gate on a daily basis, and he simply ignored that. And so God is very fair. God does not expect the impossible of you. And when you're judged, you're going to be judged for the opportunities that you had, not for failing on opportunities that you never had. That's the first thing that kind of strikes me. And then also notice that there is an afterlife. Man clearly does survive the death of the body. And there is consciousness after death. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And so if you're not right with God, the punishment is not annihilation where you're put out of existence. In fact, many unbelievers would prefer that. Just 
you know, let me live the way I want, let me die, and then just end it. No questions asked, no explaining, no accountability, simply an exit stage right. You're not allowed to do that. You have to live with yourself forever. You have to, uh, you have to answer to God at the judgment. And uh, you're not put out of existence. Being in torment. And it says, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And so there is awareness. There is uh, pain. There is immediate recognition of who Abraham is and who Lazarus is. There is consciousness. I don't know. It just seems like that for many people. And the other thing about this account is that death does not instantly change the rich man. I think there are people in the world that feel that, yeah, in this life, that person who died was a pretty crummy person. But now, you know, now they're in heaven with God as if the process of death instantly changed them into a better person and instantly converted them. No. And that to me is one of the scary things about not getting your life right with God in this life and not becoming a Christian in this life, because among other things, there are no second chances. That's clear here. But there is no chance to improve in the next life for the unbeliever. You die the way you are. Okay. And that should be a scary thought to people, really. Okay. Here you are with the attitude you have right now, you know, a little bit cynical, jaded, etc., selfish, really. You want you want that to be you for eternity because you got to live with that. Because in eternity, you die outside of Christ. It's just you. You got to deal with you. You got to face you. And all the times that you blew it, I think it'd be a really good idea to get everything corrected now. So you have a great eternity because 99.9% of your existence is going to be some spent somewhere other than this life. And it would only be incredibly foolish to ignore that reality. In verse 24, he cried out, have mercy on me. I'm in agony in this flame. That's the title of today's podcast. Believe the rich man. I know we got a lot of people running around there saying, and even religious people and even professed believers running around saying, there's no hell or hell is simply non-existence or hell might be pain for just a moment and then poof, you're gone. And really, are we going to mock the rich man? Are we going to say, you're not in torment, you're not in pain, you're just imagining that, or you're not really even there. We going to mock him? Are we going to make fun of him? Or are we going to believe him? You see, the people in this life that are running around saying there's no hell or God would not let anyone end up there or God would not punish anyone. First of all, that's what the false prophets taught in the Old Testament. They were telling God's people, peace, peace, but there was no peace. Jeremiah 8, verse 18. They were telling, they were telling people that God was never going to punish them. Uh, false prophets taught that centuries ago. And but this man is there. You see, the people teaching those things, they're not, they're not there. They've never been there. The rich man is in torment. Okay. The rich man says he's in torment. The rich man says he's in agony. Believe him. Okay. Believe him. 
notice that just to have Lazarus just give him a drop of water on his tongue, uh, just a drop of water. Keep your problems in perspective, particularly if you're a Christian and it's like, man, I got a challenging day, a bad day. Uh, there are countless people who have died outside of a relationship with Christ, like this rich man, who would gladly trade places with you with all your problems right now. In fact, there are people right now in torment awaiting the judgment who would consider your life with all your challenges right now to be absolute bliss. Okay. Keep that in perspective. I mean, you might have a cup of coffee next year right now, or a big glass of iced tea. I mean, that, that is like gold in the Hadean realm of torment and it's not there. Okay. Notice that no mercy is given. You die and you're outside of a relationship with God and there is no mercy given. There are no second chances here. Now, when Abraham says, remember, that's important. Abraham is not saying, well, if your life was pretty good in this life, then you're going to suffer in the next life. And if you made your life a, you know, a mess in this life, then you're going to get a good life. He's not saying that. But what I think is he's reminding the rich man is you had opportunities. And at the judgment, Jesus will remind everybody, you know, you had many opportunities to get your life right with God. You had many opportunities to obey the gospel. You had people from time to time reach out to you and try to bring you to services. You had family members or you may have had mom and dad were both Christians and they took you to services faithfully and you learned the Bible from an early age. And remember, remember what your life was like. Remember the people that loved you. Remember how many invitations you heard. Remember how often you heard the clear command, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. All right. Remember that. You had the scriptures, you had time, you had opportunity, and you had you were surrounded by good teachers and people that loved you and by great Christian examples. Remember that. In verse 26, we notice this great chasm fix where there can be no interaction between the two realms. And I'm impressed that the rich man seems to accept that at this point. Okay. No second chances. His fate is sealed. So he immediately, and here's something else you got your memory. He knows that he has five brothers and he also knows the condition, the spiritual condition of those five brothers. That's not a mystery. He knows exactly where they stand currently with God. He knows that they are unprepared. And I think anyone that would pick up the scriptures can see that just an honest look at your life and what the scriptures teach years ago that happened to me i'd never read the bible in my life and i was not a christian and i picked up the bible and said well i'll just start in matthew and then you know was it that far into matthew you're in matthew chapters five six and seven you're in the sermon on the mount and immediately when i read matthew chapters five six and seven i immediately knew where i stood with god i knew i was not right and I knew, I knew immediately what was condemning me, knew exactly that. It was not a mystery. So if you just pick up the Bible and compare your life to it, it's not a mystery where you're at. The standard is very clear. Just be honest about that.
So he wants Lazarus to be raised from the dead and go and warn his brothers that they would not come to this. And again, he calls it a place of torment. Doesn't call it like a place of non-existence. He doesn't call it a cool hell for a short time. He calls it a place of torment. And we need to make sure we don't apologize about these passages. This is what Jesus taught. And Jesus taught it without any apology. This is the truth. You don't apologize over the truth. You don't apologize when it comes to reality. Abraham said to him, Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. That, 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 is, that would be the Old Testament scriptures because at this point, the New Testament had not been written yet, right? Jesus has not died. The church has not been established on the day of Pentecost, etc. So they have the scriptures. They have Moses and the prophets. Not only that, but the clear inference is they have ready access to Moses and the prophets. They could be reading Moses and the prophets, and they can understand Moses and the prophets. The information is, the information is out there. It has been accurately recorded. Notice, this is 1,500 years after Moses gives the law, and yet Jesus said that law is still Moses and the prophets. Um, the Old Testament scriptures had been completely revealed and had been accurately copied from generation to generation. It's still Moses and the prophets. All right. So Abraham says, well, they already have plenty of warning. They have plenty of warning in the scriptures that they have access to and the scriptures that are read on a daily and on a weekly basis. Okay. They do not lack information and they do not lack opportunity. They're simply not listening. They're simply not obeying. They're like the rich man. They're refusing to listen. They're refusing to obey. Then one of the most striking statements in this whole section. So here you are. Imagine being the rich man. You are in torment. You are in absolute agony. Um, what God said was right. What God said was true. All the passages that God said about what would happen to the rebellious and the wicked. That's true. That's true. And the father Abraham, he says, no, no. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. That says a lot about the rich man. That says a lot about why he ended up lost. When God said something that went against the preconceived idea or the things of the rich man, the rich man rejected it. Well, I don't know about that. I don't agree with that. And if you're someone who reads the scriptures and walks and reads a passage and says, oh, I don't agree with that. Okay, you're like the rich man. You're going to end up where the rich man is. No, what are you doing? Telling God, no, you're in torment. Okay, God, God is God. God has the authority. His authority put you there and your sins put you there. And you're saying no. Which means that the rich man, even though he died, and even though he faces the reality that God is God and he is not, and that everything that God has said is true, he's still arguing with God. That means, guess what? Even the torment and even death has not changed him. Which means that if you don't change now in this life by listening to the gospel, if you don't repent now and humble yourself now, you will never change. You'll just remain the old stubborn, selfish you forever. And you'll be stuck with that. 
because you got to live with you. Man, hell, hell is not a place where people learn. It's not a place that redeems people. It's not a place that people say, well, you know, yeah, I guess I really deserve to be here. And I just kind of come to terms with everything and try to make the best of it. No, uh, uh-uh. man, you got people in hell still telling God, no, you know, you can just sit there and argue with yourself for eternity. Here's a man that is not impressed with the scriptures. Oh, no, no, no. The scriptures won't do it. A miracle would, a miracle would, you know, well, how many people, how many people in the Bible saw miracles and never changed? The Egyptians saw plague after plague after plague. Didn't really change them. The Israelites saw miracle after miracle and a miracle in the wilderness. It didn't change them either. The towns around the Sea of Galilee saw Jesus perform one miracle after another. Didn't change them. I know, I know. It's easy to believe that. It's easy to believe. You know, the Bible's fine and the sermon's fine. But boy, if, if there was just one night I was, I'm lying in bed with my wife or my husband and God, if God would just open up the ceiling for a moment, poke his head in and say, hey, get it together, that would fix me. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. They have Moses and the prophets. Notice how confident he is. They will repent. They would repent if Dasher showed up. They will repent. No, they won't. No, they won't. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. So, right now is the time to be warned. That warning is found in the scriptures. That warning is found in both the Old and especially in the New Testament for us today. We have the scriptures. That's the only warning we're going to get in life. And God considers that a, a, a very merciful and fair and complete and thorough warning. And when you, when you die, if you die outside of Christ, there are no second chances and there is no mercy. No wonder the Bible talked about today is the day of salvation. Do not delay 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Or Paul was told by Ananias, why do you delay Arise, wash away your sins, be baptized. Acts twenty two sixteen. Believe the rich man. This has been the Daily Answer, your host Mark Dunnigan. Until next time, we will see you in the funding papers.